Welcome to Manor for the Ears, Season 4, Episode 25. This week, we will just do a repeat reminder of the different types of love. Ever so often, we bandy about the words love without understanding its true essence and meaning. This episode is a reminder that love, while serious, can be fun, can be flirty, but also must be intentional. Why? Intentional love has a goal. And that goal often involves another individual. So if we have love for another individual and it's going somewhere, we must act on it. Now this episode was done last year. But I find that ever so often we need to be reminded of what love truly means. It's not just a word. It's an action. And so here is the reminder. This week, remember For those whom you love, show them. This is Manna for the Ears, Mended Pieces podcast. Welcome to Manna for the Ears, Episode 12, Season 2. Can you believe that we're at the end of Season 2 already? This episode brings us to the conclusion of season two, where our focus was extending ourselves to others to help them to achieve some level of wholeness. Having dealt with ourselves in season one, we opened with tolerance. And in episode 11 last week, we discussed how tolerance leads to patience and how we cannot have one without the other. This week, we speak on love in its vastness. There will be a focus on the seven types of love and what they are and how they're applicable to our lives. I'm very excited about this week's episode because we have three guests and they will be speaking on different types of love. We have Ramey Evans, a psychologist, Minister Royal Campbell, and Irvin Wright, producer. So let's get right into it. Love's true meaning is displayed in the form of an action. A declaration of I love you is empty unless action drives it. So from the declaration onwards, love must be powered through action to be authentic. True love 
is all-encompassing and requires no qualification or explanation to those giving or to those receiving. First up is eros love. In the Greek, it refers to a sensual or passionate kind of love. Here is Remy Evans, psychologist on eros love. From the very dawn of mankind, it has been pursued, sought after, craved, searched for, and desired. It has also been discussed throughout centuries, across different eras. It has meanings that vary across cultures. It's been portrayed in literature plays, movies, any medium you can think of. It has even been discussed across various disciplines, such as psychology, philosophy, sociology, and and anthropology as well. Some of us have been fortunate to experience it in its fullest capacity. Some of us have experienced it somewhat, and, and some of us are still searching. So what is it that we're talking about? What is this phenomenon that has captured the minds of human beings from the dawn of time? What we're talking about is none other than love. And love has so many meanings across this extensive globe and planet Earth. And as I said previously, it has been discussed from numerous angles but for the context of today's discussion the love that we're going to focus on the different the aspect we're focusing on today is eros now we're going to be looking at eros from the freudian perspective the master of psychology sigmund freud defines eros as romantic or sexual love as part of his definition, as a matter of fact, the term erotic is derived from eros. But eros is not just limited to libido or sexual energy. It is the life instinct that is innate in all human beings. It is the desire to create life as well as lending itself to productivity and construction. Now, it is not to be cons- to be confused with limerence which is a modern term describing infatuation and romantic desires which are often associated with eros right eros is far more expansive than it has been um, given credit for or understood by many so as i said before eros is a life instinct now the life instinct leads to procreation because what do human beings create well we make other human beings we build families right and through families this drives our will to live because we also have to provide and secure our families it it defines us it gives us purpose eros also leads to social cooperation and survival 
and survival of the species. Now, I made reference to life instinct. So, Freud in his genius and his wisdom realized that life instincts were only part of what drive human behavior. The other part of it is called thanatos, known as the death instinct. And in the death instinct, it is more it more deals with risky behavior or self-destructive behavior and aggression, which can also be self-destructive, and the reliving of trauma. As you can see that these are diametrically opposed. So the conflict that human beings face is a battle between life, the life instinct and the death instinct. Through procreation, human beings are, are guaranteed a form of immortality even though we're all mortal and we will die. So through the immortality, meaning that once we procreate and have a family, the values, philosophies and principles that were passed on to us from our parents, we pass on to our children and we, it ensures that we will be remembered and hence a legacy will be built. So Eros is not just limited to the physical yearning between two people. As you can see according to Freud's definition, it is far more comprehensive and it is not given the credit that it deserves for what really drives human behavior and what gives us meaning to live, to cooperate with each other, to build better societies and ultimately a better world. The simple little thing called love is responsible for a lot more than we give it credit for. Next up is Ludus love. In the Greek, it refers to a playful kind of love. It is a modern love. At its finest, it is best described as two people who just want to have fun together with little need for security or roots. In other words, no commitment. Up next, is storage love. In the Greek, it refers to liking somebody through funness or familiarity. Example, family members or people who we have a bond with in familiar ways. An example of this is the natural love and affection of a parent for a child. Fourth is pragma. In the Greek, it refers to an everlasting love between married couples that develop over a long period of time, marked by commitment, understanding, compromise, and tolerance. It is often referred to as standing in love as opposed to falling in love because this kind of love grows over time and there is a deep understanding between lovers having been together for years for example grandparents who have endured so much 
But at the end of it all, they have always chosen each other. Fifth is Philasia. Philasia in the Greek refers to self-love. Here now is Minister Royal Campbell to muse on this type of love. There is a biblical scripture taken from 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 that says, What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us so that we can be called the sons of God. I like this scripture a lot because when I think of the word, the Greek word philosia, which means self-love, it makes me think of myself. In order for me to have love, in order for me to demonstrate love, in order for me to appreciate who I am, I have to first get it from someplace. There is another Latin expression that says, ex nihilo, nile fit, which means nothing can come out of nothing. That is beautiful because it suggests to me that in order for me to be able to appreciate me, in order for me to validate me to the point where I can give back to others, to the point where reciprocity can take place, I have to first get something from out of something else. So the scripture says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me so that I can be called the sons of God. In order for me to be called the son of God, it means that something had to be bestowed upon me. And that something was God's love. That love came from God. In order for me to act from a place of love, in order for me to behave from a place of love, in order for me to demonstrate love outwardly to somebody else, I have to first understand it, see where it is coming from to the point where experience it to the point where I can give it back. So when I think of self-love, which is the positive aspect of it, I think that the only way I can do it or give it or be it, it had to come from someplace. And I love that scripture because that scripture says what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us so that we can be called the sons of God. Let's take the Latin phrase again. Let's look at it just a little bit more. If I have a seed and I look at the seed and I say to myself, this is a mango seed. In order for me to have a tree, I have to first plant the mango seed. Then I have to expose it to a type of soil where I can suggest or know that it will grow. Then when germination takes place, it has to sprout in such a manner where the elements of the earth can help me to help it grow. Nothing can come out of nothing. So what happens is that you give it a few years, which is a lot of years, before you know it, I am grown into a full-blown mango tree. And before you know it, not only can others eat from this tree, 
But at the same time, the bird of the air can also benefit from this tree because nothing can come out of nothing. In order for me to have this self-love, I am analogous or I am in comparison to the tree. In order for me to be bear good fruit, I have to come from something. Ex nihilo nihil fit. It means that nothing can come out of nothing. In order for me to give or in order for reciprocity to take place, I have to first get from someplace else, understand where it is coming from, experience where it is coming from to be able to give back that which is good. There is a scripture that says that husbands first love yourself before you love your wife. The, the, the patriotic writing says husbands, but let's use it for also females. In order for me to give my husband something or love my uh, husband, I have to first love myself. So the scripture says, husband, love yourself, love your wife as how you would love yourself. In other words, he cannot give more than what he has. In other words, I can't give more than what I have. So it's the same with the analogy of the tree. I cannot give you what I don't have. But if the father has bestowed upon me such love, then I can give you back love. This type of love is progressive. This type of love is on a journey. This type of love has to be developed and it's developed over time just like the mango tree. So in order for me to be the best me, it had to come from the best God, the best divine, the best directive. Okay, you know when I think about this, I also think of the idea of equality and equity. Sometimes people say, you know, I just want to be equal. I just want to be equal. But I defer just a little bit from that idea. And the reason why I defer from it, because equality says we start from the same premise. You get a house, I get a house, my sister gets a house. We start from the same premise. You get a mansion, I get a bungalow, my sister gets a hut. Somebody might say, well, what is she complaining about? At least she has a roof over her head. But the idea of equity says, no, 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 no. Equity says there is a goal and a aim in view. Equity says that I have to have the equal opportunity. I have to have equal benefit. So if you live in a mansion and I live in a bungalow and she lives in a hut, you in your mansion has a whole lot of space, I in my bungalow have a whole lot of rooms, but she in the hut, come on, she's living with roaches, she's exposed to certain type of danger, the idea of wolves and fox coming in. Is she really at a place of advantage? Are we really equal at the end of the day? Because not because I have a roof over my head or she has a roof over her head doesn't mean she's equal to the person with the bungalow or she's equal to the person with the mansion. And it's the same thing with self-love. It is the same thing when God gives us this manner of love. Because when God gives us this manner of love, it's not the idea of a starting point. Because the Bible also said he gives us a measure of faith. And each person have different measures of faith. It's the idea of 
equity, when I give back reciprocity, when I give back, because if self-love is taking care of me, I don't want to see you perish. If self-love is taking and accepting me for who I am and I can ascribe or aspire to be anything because I am driven by my own motivation because it came from God, the manner of love that God has bestowed upon me. If that's what I have, then I also want it for you. I want the exact same thing for you. I will touch you with what I have. And when I touch you, it will be gentle. When I touch you, it will be kind. When I touch you, it would be given a kind of reciprocity that creates an opportunity and a benefit towards you. Let's take, for instance, shoes. I'm a lover of great shoes. I like to see beautiful shoes. I like to see clean shoes. If I think of this self-love, and when I think about giving back, because the word of God said, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me so that I can be called the Son of God. It means that he has given me something so that I can be like him. So if, I'm get, if, I ha, if, if you're giving me a pair of shoes, and um, when I look at the pair of shoes, we're not talking about starting at the same premise. It's not equality where my sister have her shoes, somebody else have her shoes, and I have a pair of shoes. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is the idea that there's an opportunity and the shoes must be beneficial to me. Because some people give you a pair of shoes and you can't wear it. Or because you're desperate, you can wear it, but when you wear it, when you come home, your feet ache so much. It's too tight, it's too small, or it's too big, right? I remember when I was living uh, in a situation growing up back in the days, sometimes our parents couldn't afford to buy us all shoes. So sometimes I will inherit somebody else's pair of shoes. And when I get it, my God, it's too big or it's too tight or it squeezes my feet. I have to soak my feet when I come home from school. That is equality. I have a pair of shoes, but that's not equity. Why is this important to know? This is important to know because when you have given me a tree, a seed, and I produce that mango tree, then from that mango tree, you will get mango. When the Father has bestowed love upon me, I am now trying to come into my own. I am now trying to grow into what he has given me. Then when I begin to give back, when reciprocity takes place, I can give you what I have. And the scriptures will become true to me. And that level of self-love will be indicative or reflective of what the Father has given unto me. Even if I don't give back to anyone at all, just looking at who I am, just understanding the demonstration of what I do, everything will be reflective of something greater than who I am because nothing can come out of nothing. And if I am a person who's honoring myself, I am a person who's aspiring to be great. I am a person who's taking care of myself. And even if troubles and trials and, 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 and obstacles come my way, I will deal with it not in a negative manner, but I will learn to deal with it in such a manner that is reflective of the person who gave me the love.
And if I was to encourage anyone this afternoon, if I was to encourage anyone in the morning, if I was to encourage anyone late at night, my admonishment would be what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us so that we can be called the sons of God. And no matter what we're going through, no matter how it feels, there is an equality, there is an equity further on, and there is a reciprocity that's going on, and we don't have to worry nor fret. We would know with all assurity that I'm aspiring. If I follow on to know, I will know. If I follow on to achieve, I will achieve. If I keep on getting at it, I will become that great mango tree because I started from someplace. Nothing can come out of nothing because the love that I'm exhibiting is from the scriptures that says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon me so that I can be called the sons of God. Sixth is agape. Agape in the Greek refers to a selfless, unconditional love. It is sacrificial. You expect nothing in return. It is totally charitable, totally generous, totally compassionate, totally sympathetic. It actually refers to the love of God and is the most powerful form of love that exists. It is powerful, it is profound, it is all-encompassing. Agape sees no faults, no imperfections, and the giver loves us despite who we are. For believers in Jesus Christ, this is the kind of love he displayed by going to Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Lastly is filial love. In the Greek, this refers to a close friendship or a brotherly love. This love speaks to a love of equals who are united in a common purpose or pursuit. This is the ultimate love for one to another. To speak on filial love, here is Irving Wright Jr., producer. Love is such a powerful emotion. And it's safe to say that we all love to love, to be in love and to be loved. But how often does it challenge us? And in what way does it challenge us? Especially one in particular. But there's so many versions of it, but they all are the same in terms of its intention. Its intention is positive, positive giving, positive receiving, positive input, positive output. There's love for yourself, love for your family and friends, love for your spouse. All different, but all the same, if you understand what I'm saying. But there's this one that has evolved the world continuously 
there's this one that stands out because it's not the same as all the others, but yet it involves them. And the peace of this love has compassion in it for another human being, where you would say to a stranger, as much as you would say to your spouse and your family and your friends, that I would actually protect you with my life. I will care for you. I will help you in the challenges that you face. That is brotherly love. Brotherly love is such a powerful, powerful, powerful emotion. But do we practice it daily? And I'm certain the thought has always come and the feeling has always come because it drives you to action. We've seen leaders who become leaders because they're moved by what they feel because they feel compassion for the people that they care for and want to protect and want to guide so they speak out and when you hear them speak you can hear the passion in their voice because that thing that's driving them is this love this brotherly love we've heard it in men and women around the world who has picked up a cause because they're driven by brotherly love it's created some of the most intelligent most respectful leaders but then even the people that we don't know who are neighbors who are friends who happen to be family not just because there's that connection there because we've seen it amongst people who are strangers they're able to connect with somebody else that they see who has been challenged or in a struggle and who have said I need to help this person and they've moved into action whether with their voice or physically saying or doing to protect and care for another human being brotherly love moves the world it moves the world in such a strong way that it's something that challenges us all the time and especially in today's current events we need to be challenged and lead with love even when we disagree Even when we're on opposite sides, you can hear someone and disagree with them, but you don't have to be angry with them because it's so easy to hate with a different opinion. It's so easy to hate because we disagree. But when you lead with love, it challenges you to say, it challenges you to say, I understand. Or it challenges you to respectfully say, I disagree. But because we're human beings, we can get past that. Instead of us focusing on what separates us, we can focus on where we agree with, where we can compromise. And if we can't come to a compromise or any agreements, then we have at least the respect for one another. That's brotherly love. And it's always going to be a challenge. Can you lead with it? Can you look at the person in the street who doesn't have as much as you do and say let me help you out and it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to give them and feel sympathy it's not that it's having compassion compassion being able to say let me help you to get from point A to B even if it's a small act brotherly love can do a lot it has helped us for decades throughout the ages for centuries to evolve as human beings and it's something that we need to challenge ourselves with on a regular basis so I hope that you're practicing brotherly love with your brothers and sisters across the world